Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for late night Reds talk. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday night, and welcome to another fantastic edition of Late Night Reds Talk Live here, part of the Believe Podcast Network, and sponsored by our good friends at Bet Online. The big game is finally here as we hit Super Bowl Sunday with the last game of the football season. I don't think they can actually say Super Bowl Sunday, so that's on me. As always, Bet Online is your cover from odds, scores, totals, player performance, props, and where the next fire coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football, Bet Online's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds co- coverage into the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one wagering des- destination. Head to Bet Online and use your mobile device and sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You use our promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to get started and bet on the Bengals, most importantly. Who day? I am Tim Daniel. I'm so happy to be here with my favorite people. It is a crazy week in Cincinnati sports, and we're talking about the one that has a lockout. So, how about our luck? Uh, let's go ahead and get into our excellent panel. As always, our producer, the man who puts this together for us each and every week. Please, if you haven't, take a second to check him out last week on the Riverfront with our good pal Chad Dotson. Did an excellent job. Our good friend and yours, Nicholas Kirby. How are you, buddy? What is going on, fellas? Uh, our guest tonight, Zach, I, I'm guessing he probably didn't think, as a guy in Wisconsin, uh, be talking about a baseball team in February while the football team in Cincinnati is playing in the Super Bowl. Uh kind of interesting yeah it's been quite a whirlwind uh couple of weeks for us uh in in the state of wisconsin but uh thank you guys so much for having me aboard it's a pleasure to be here yeah absolutely also here with us on our excellent panel former major league big leaguer also now as i found out today the um manager of the cincinnati reds baseball media twitter wiffle ball team oh, that's as he dope. pronounced uh our good friend carlos guevara so carlos where am i hitting particularly in the order I think you're hitting second, buddy. Okay. From the left side. You bat lefty too? I do bat lefty. Yeah. We're taking you. You're second yeah. overall. My dad thought that when I was a kid and I played baseball that, you know, I grew up in the Ken Griffey Jr. era like Nick. You know, we're in that age group where like he was God. And um, I literally tried to bat like him. I did the stand-up stance, the like wiggle. Oh, yeah. And um, I, but, you know, my swing wasn't anywhere near his. Yeah, if you're anywhere near our age and if you didn't do that stance as a kid, you're not a baseball fan. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. And like Nick said earlier, check uh, joining us today to talk about the Brewers in the finale of our uh, NL Central Division preview. I promise I'll be a lot nicer with him than I was about the Pirates because his team's actually good. Um, <laughs> check our, our new friend, welcome into the show, Mr. Zach Bellman. You can check him out in the Milwaukee area. Welcome, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're excited to have you, and um, really going to talk a lot about this, this Brewers team, who's been really good for a while now. 
So we'll kind of go ahead and we'll kind of look go through some of the things because I'm going to ask you a lot of probably funny Brewers questions from my lifetime of going against them. Um, but with that being said, so obviously since 2018, they've been the top of the National League Central. Uh, 56% winning percentage, 316 wins, have had some awesome, awesome pitching performances uh, that I can remember in years past. Uh, 2018, they win the Central. Uh, they go ahead and they lose in Game 7 of the LCS to the Dodgers as they start their big run uh, going through the National League. Uh, they have the heartbreaker in the wild card against the Nash against the Nats. I think that's the year the Nats won the series, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, I forgot that you guys won in Great American, and we were nice enough to our friends that aren't the Pirates or the Cubs to let you guys enjoy our Jumbotron for that. So uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, um, y'all do that again. We're turning the lights off. <laughs> 2020, obviously a weird year. The Brewers make the playoffs with an under 500 record. Um, so, but you know, come last year, get off to a little bit of a rocky start. They're 21 and 23. They're four games back. Jesse Winker has one of his best games of the year. Look at that. My guy, Jeff Walner wrote that article. My good friend, Jeff. I hope he's watching as I give him some love here, actually. Shout out to Jeff. He's a good dude. Shout out, you guys Jeff. Shoot, you guys shoot for Willie Adamas, which pissed off every Reds fan because that was a guy they all wanted. Um, and you know, maybe sold some baseball cards for him. Go crazy after the Adamas <laughs> trade to go seven to games up on the division. Uh, the Reds do have that series where they go three out of four, and then you guys come in right for the Ulster break and right after the Ulster break and sweep us and ruin our season. So we got some bones to pick with you, apparently. <laughs> um, but you know, lose to the lose to the Braves in four. Um, you know, obviously they were awesome. They won the World Series, and so. You did a new trade, Jackie Bradley Jr. You you know, Vasil Garcia is going to Miami. Escobar's on the move. Um, I don't know what it was about the Red Sox and Jackie Bradley Jr. and why they love him so much, but I guess they do. Congrats getting Hunter Renfro. That's a really nice get for them. Um, so got a little busy before the lockout. Obviously, a, a really good baseball team last year. Um, we're kind of the opposite of the Reds at times where it was like, you know, their, their pitching of the Bill Brewers carried them for so long when the Reds was like they're hitting. So it was a really fun matchup in those games. Um, you know, when you look back at the season they just had and kind of moving forward to the future, what do you look for from this Brewers team that kind of excites you? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, the Hunter Renfro trade, uh, I think for a lot of Brewers fans were as, was as much about getting Jackie Bradley off the books. I'm sure. As, as it was getting Hunter Renfro out of it. Honestly, you know, I think half the Brewers nation that heard about that trade was like, oh, Jackie Bradley's gone? Okay, that that's fine. Whatever we got back, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. It, it could have been nothing. but um, It's our Homer Bailey, we understand. Yeah, and that, that kind of ended up being a, uh, you know, kind of two moves in one kind of deal because you get, you know, kind of a pretty serviceable, if not, improvement on a Viseo Garcia in the corner outfield and right field there. Um, and you also get Jackie Bradley off the books there. And he was kind of, you know, just did not quite latch on with Milwaukee. I think was had, hitting sub 200. Uh, that was, you know, one, one of the players we weren't really excited about this past year, but obviously you mentioned Adamas there in the intro. I mean, you know, he just was an absolute firecracker for this Brewer squad. Um, they were kind of middle of the road, as you kind of pointed out there, you know, around 500, he comes in, was a huge offensive boon to them uh, as Christian Yelich is unfortunately still in the midst of this uh, slump that kind of started in 2020 in the shortened season and, uh, you know, has continued here in, in uh, through 2021. Never really quite found the power stroke again, seemed to be struggling with the curveball. So offensively, he was a little bit of a struggle, but uh, Adamas comes in there and, you know, provides a lot of offensive firepower. 
um, and just, you know, enthusiasm in the lineup and uh, the pitching obviously carried them, um, you know, to, to the playoffs this past year, which was a noticeable difference from those first couple of playoff appearances of the last couple of years. Cause they've been rolling to the playoffs on their offense with guys like Jolice Chassin kind of filling in as, as uh, you know, you know, veteran starters and stuff, kind of one-year rentals uh, in, in filling out their rotation. Um, but now they got three bona fide studs, uh, all were various, you know, kind of Cy Young candidates at, at different points in the season. Peralta really came on, made the all-star team. So a lot to be excited about, especially with the uh, pitching that the Brewers have had, you know, over this past year. I do have to tell you, um, you, you didn't know us at the time, and so this is okay. Um, it's my fault that Rowdy Telez had that run where he was Barry Bonds in July. Um, I said that I really wish the Brewers would play him more because it was easier outs for the Reds pitching, and then he went crazy the like from there on. So you're and, welcome. And, and we instantly yeah. corrected you when you said it. We instantly <laughs> said this is a bad idea. Rowdy's not a terrible <laughs> player, but you had to do it, and you you ruined the Red season. It's on you. Every time, like he like hit a home run, there was like like it would be Nick or Carlos or like some of our listeners would send me a tweet like, "Yeah, he did another one." I was like, "I know, I saw." You're not allowed to do predictions. That's nope. the beginning of the year this year. <laughs> not anymore. Nope, I'm retired from predictions. Zach, Zach, on that uh, Renfro for Bradley trade, the Brewers had to throw in two pretty decent prospects to make that trade happen, right? Yeah, remind me. I I hadn't uh, I hadn't looked that one up specifically because it had been a while. But um, you know the 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 prospects that they gave up obviously you know were compensation for the money that the uh, Red Sox were taking on. Um, but you know certainly uh, nothing that you know the Brewers already were kind of a you know they're they're in the bottom third of the league as far as their farm system. I think the Athletic just came out with. Um, the uh you know the minor league rankings uh as far as farm systems uh and i think the birds came in in 26 on that which is actually two steps up from where they were a year before they were 28 um so you know i i think where the brewers are at right now in this kind of you know if you want to call it a championship window um uh, I, I think you know with the recent you know boon of offense that they've had plus the pitching coming on i think you could call it a a contention window for the brewers and um you know, I think losing a couple guys in their uh, prospect system while keeping their top guys, uh, you know, isn't a tremendous loss for them. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I did find it was their uh, 16th and 17th ranked prospects, uh, both of them, to, to, to make that deal. So there wasn't a lot of flack from, from Brewers fans that that was, you know, kind of a little bit of a salary dump. Because I know, I know if the Reds did something like that, Reds fans would be up in arms oh that they, they dump players instead of signing a free agent. Oh yeah, I mean it. It was a necessary move. I think the, the like I said, the collective, uh, you know, kind of reaction from Brewers fans is like, thank God Jackie Bradley's off the books because, like I said, hitting hitting sub two hundred uh, was you know kind of brought in to be a fourth outfielder slash defensive replacement and just didn't quite you know find it at the plate ever. It seemed like I you know he hit like one sixty or something like that, and I I couldn't tell you about a single hit he had. It, it was like. It was like having a second pitcher in the lineup, uh, you know, at times for, for Bradley, but uh, you know, good, good for him to get back to Boston. Cause uh, you know, he's hit pretty well there and had a pretty good career. So, um, you know, hopefully he can find it again, but uh, in the meantime, you know, I'm excited to see how Renfro's bat plays at Miller park. Yeah. I, I, mean, I like that. The Red Sox. I like that whole trade and the, and, you know, and the getting the signing of 
Renfro, like, I feel like it's a win for for the Brewers. They they got better. I mean, not a whole lot better, but they still got better. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you got the power, um, you know, that Garcia brought because Garcia was a, uh, you know, big impact in that in that lineup, uh, especially with Yelich struggling for most of the year, and um, you know, he brings the power in in that right field arm, um, you know, that that is always uh, helpful to avoid, you know extra bases turning from doubles into triples. So uh, excited to see how he fits in the lineup. You know, we got a comment here from Michael Koble who said, uh, sometimes a roster dump is needed. So the Brewers are a team to watch. Um, <clears throat> even as someone who's in a, you know, the same division, obviously it's easy to respect and like admire what they've been able to put together. Um, and obviously, you know, like we've talked about already quite a bit through the show that starts with pitching and the pitching obviously starts with Corbin Burns. Just an unbelievable year. Uh, I have in my dynasty fantasy league, so very happy about that. Um, you know, not to mention he's only he's not even twenty eight yet. Just you know, got got recognized last year, obviously rightfully so for his outs. He was just unbelievable. I know, like when he would be like him and like Sunny Gray, it was sort of very very fun, like two to one games that you would see when they pitch against each other this year. What really kind of jumped out to you about like what you saw from his growth from twenty twenty? And it was a shortened season, obviously, but 2020 to 2021, when he became like the Cy Young and like when he just jumped to being that guy was was so, so impressive for you. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I obviously have followed Burns' whole journey from being that bullpen guy that kind of came on in 2018, uh, had a big impact on that season. And then they threw him full time into the rotation in 19 and he struggled mightily. And, um, you know, I think it was having to do mostly with him, uh, throwing the four seamer quite a bit and uh, was getting tagged quite a bit. And I think, you know, for him now it's, uh, you know, throwing more sinkers, more cutters, um, just, you know, getting hitters uh, off balance and stuff like that. And just the command was exceptional. I remember watching, you know, wire to wire his uh, eight innings of no hit ball that Hader ended up uh, finishing and just the um, command was just exceptional uh, the whole night. And I think that was, uh, something you know that that uh and uh just really continued throughout the season and uh i do remember early on in the season as well he had a streak of uh 30 something innings uh, i think believe set or tied the major league record uh for out um for innings without throwing a walk um and you know i i think just uh the command is is the biggest difference for me and what i've seen in burns over the last you know two years You've talked a bit about Christian Yelich. Um, obviously, wins a National League MVP and then has really, really struggled for a while. But when you look at his splits, I think what's really fascinating to me is that I'm not a guy that really cares about batting average necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the 249, I'm kind of, I can, I'm, it doesn't really mean anything to me. I know that's very unpopular with 1990 Cincinnati baseball fans. Um, but, you know, still the 360 on base percentage looks like he's still taking walks. But, you know, nine home runs in a full season. What can you kind of say from us? We only see him, you know, 20 times a year. Um, what can you kind of like, is there anything you can kind of see necessarily like, is it like a giant hole in his swing that's kind of developed over a couple of years? What kind of jumps out to you from his struggles? Yeah. And from the games that I saw, um, I think the biggest thing that I noticed that was different in Yelich is he did not seem to be connecting on the breaking ball all that often. Just a lot of swings right over the top. And, uh, I, you know, I was going to point this out as, as far as uh, offseason acquisitions. I think the Brewers' biggest offseason acquisitions 
Um, you know, this year may not even be players on the field. It may be the changes that they made at hitting coach, uh, getting rid of Andy Haynes, who I believe was a friend of Yelich's uh, through the time in Miami and um, bringing in, uh, let me get the names here, Connor Dawson and um, uh, Ozzy Timmons. And, uh, you know, Connor brings kind of the analytical technical aspect. He's a younger uh, pitcher from the Mariners or, or a younger um, hitting coach from the Mariners organization who brings kind of the technical aspect while Ozzie Timmons was a former player uh, who kind of, you know, went from that into coaching with the Rays and has been with the Rays organization for the last couple of years. So I'm really interested to see what uh, they bring to the offensive struggles that both Yelich and I think another, you know, big name to keep an eye on uh, for a potential bounce back would be Keston Hira, um, who kind of, you know, played second base his rookie year, had 19 home runs in a very, uh, small sample size and uh, you know then in 2020 and 2021 just kind of fell off fell off and completely lost it he looked completely behind on the fastball um, but for Yelich yeah I think the not connecting on the breaking ball was the biggest uh, noticeable difference for me and just not seeing the ball very well um, you know seemed to be the the biggest thing and I think you know the, that OBP kind of speaks to uh, at times, he was still kind of given, you know, the, that borderline Barry Bonds treatment as far as, um, you know, teams were still respecting his ability to come up with the big hit. Although Brewers fans who watched all last season or mo most of the last two seasons would tell you there wasn't a whole lot of big vintage Christian Yelich moments in the big spots uh, this past year. And that kind of came down to their uh, last out of the season, which I remember being a strikeout looking for Yelich. So I think that kind of was a micro of the season for him and, and the fact that he was not seeing, seeing the ball very well. Zach, what was your, your thoughts on uh, Colton Wong? I know he was hurt a lot, but I feel like he was really a, a super valuable player for the, the Brewers last year, hitting leadoff, um, had a pretty nice season. Absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, a, a very underrated signing as far as, um, you know, major league signings uh, this last year goes. Obviously, a lot of attention was given to Willie Adamas in the midseason acquisition. Uh, but the Brewers really didn't have, you know, a consummate leadoff hit. They were coming off a season in which Lorenzo Cain had not uh, participated. He'd opted out due to COVID in 2020. And, um, you know, they, they kind of needed someone they could rely on to have lengthy at-bats, to drive up a pitch count, show up pitcher's whole repertoire throughout the course of an at-bat. And Wong uh, absolutely was that guy. And then some great on-base percentage guy, great tone setter at the top of the lineup. Uh, that the Brewers really haven't had for the last couple of years is uh, Lorenzo Cain's skills have diminished a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he was, he was an incredibly valuable addition for the Brewers um, both in just, you know, tone setting and, and just, uh, you know, being a, a consummate leadoff hitter for the Brewers uh, was extremely valuable, valuable. Plus taking him away, away from the Cardinals, uh, you know, as part of the deal, what was, uh, was, you know, just as valuable probably as bringing him aboard. Um, so yeah, I didn't seem to dislike him as much whenever he was wearing a, a Brewers uniform. <laughs> he looked better in that uniform for sure. Yeah, the Be um, fair. I wanted to ask about Devin Williams, how the fans felt about it, uh, you know, during the playoffs, and what do you think? How they're gonna, you know, cheer him on come April? Well, I, I think you know Brewers fans are are pretty uh, loyal and understanding, and is, so I'm not worried about him getting booed the first time out of the bullpen or anything like that. But um, obviously, the Devin Williams situation was extremely disappointing uh, for Brewers fans because, and I think there was a little bit of, 
you know, let's be realistic about this because uh, Devin Williams wasn't going to come off the bench to hit a walk off grand slam. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but but there was there was the possibility that, uh, you know, maybe a game that's in the eighth inning that's close where he would be the guy. Somebody else is the guy. And then it ends up uh, not going their way. That didn't really play out as far as the Braves season uh, series. The biggest thing was the biggest bugaboo for the Brewers down the stretch last season, which was just the offense did not show up in the big moments, did not get guys on base, come through with uh, runners in scoring position. Um, it was just an abysmal last you know, three weeks to a month of the season. And, um, you know, the Brewers barely scratched any runs across. I think Rowdy Telez's two home runs were basically the entire offense uh, for the season. <laughs> so there you go, Rowdy Telez again. Um, Save the Brewers from getting blanked in a, in a three-game series there. But um, I don't think there's going to be any animosity towards Williams. I think the Brewers fans are just anxious, uh, you know, to see how he comes back because I think that – when you're talking about a, a fracture in the pitching hand uh, as he sustained, and I was, you know, just reviewing what's out there on that, it sounded like he admitted that it was some altercation that, you know, rather than get upset at the person and get physically violent with them, he punched a wall, and that's how we got the fracture. So, uh, obviously, you know, very disappointing, um, you know, for Brewers fans who wanted him there for the uh, playoff stretch and to be that setup guy, um, you know, for Hater, but it didn't work out that way. Uh, we're just, I think, hoping that for the, you know, for the long term, he's okay and uh, can able, you know, can keep up this dominant run as being that that excellent one-two punch that is really unrivaled, uh, you know, in in the majors as far as uh, you know going from Williams to Hater there. Yeah. Do do you um do you worry about that going into next year about you know the offense kind of, you know, maybe Willie Adams coming down to earth a little bit, coming back down to his mean. Um, is that is that a real issue? Do you, are you thinking there might be a chance that they can find another bat to to kind of help uh, boost up that lineup? Oh, for sure. And like I said, I think that's why it really comes down to you know can those new hitting coaches get get the guys that they have um, you know performing back to their abilities? As I was looking through the roster, um, you know, with Telez back, uh, hopefully he can at least perform at, at his average level. Um, I don't think they need. You know, obviously it's been a Prince Fielder sized hole at first base ever since he left the organization. Um, but, you know, he has um, certainly demonstrated uh, that he can bring some offense to Les. Um, I, I really think as far as, you know, as you look down that lineup there, um, I really think it's about getting the guys that you have back to what they can, you know, have proven that they can do. And for Yelich, that's not necessarily an MVP level, um, but you know, certainly if you get him threatening with a, you know, 280, 300 average again, threatening with, you know, 20, 30 home runs uh, once again, and just getting on base more uh, in the middle of that lineup and coming through with a couple clutch hits, um, certainly that offense is starting to look back to where it needs to be. And, and with that, again, that starting three, starting four rotation, um, you're not going to need five, seven runs a game to win a lot of games and, you know, with that rotation. So um, I, I'm not overly concerned as far as needing a new player to be brought in. I think it's just getting, you know, the young guys like Arias that really came on last year, continuing on their projected path. Um, and, you know, some guys like Omar Narvaez that started to figure it out uh, after his first, um, you know, rough season with Milwaukee in the shortened season. Um, you know, there's a lot of potential in this lineup, and I don't see a lot of holes when guys are right. Um, 
But I think, you know, if, if there is a DH this year, getting somebody like Keston here going uh, to be that daily DH uh, would be a significant uh, boon to this offense. We'll be right back with more late night Reds talk in just a moment. Coming up, we're going to ask Zach about the possibility of the Brewers trading Josh Hader, as well as talk about the baseball lockout and some other Reds news. But first, a word from one of our sponsors, Masterworks. Do you want to make some money? How about you invest in an exciting asset that's outpaced the S&P 500 by 146% for 25 years? I'm talking about art. Masterworks is the new investing app that lets you invest in blue chip paintings from icons like Picasso without needing millions. Over 300,000 people have already signed up. You can get priority access with our unique promo. Log on to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe. B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclosures. Zach, there's been some some rumors about Josh Hader. I mean, do you think there's a chance that Brewers could try to move him this the offseason whenever we have like our, our two-week rest of the offseason before spring training? You know, there have been rumors about Hader uh, being moved for the last couple years, and, and I'll admit initially I was kind of on board with that idea. Um, I felt that his home run trends were not going in the right direction. It seemed like hitters were kind of figuring out, hey, I just need to sit on that fastball because he can't even locate the zone with his off-speed stuff. And what I really noticed to, to Hader's credit and why I think he won uh, reliever of the year again this year um, was the fact that he developed that breaking ball, uh, that slider was just knockout. And um, the fact that he could locate that for strikes uh, in the zone completely added a new dimension to his game because it was very evident that hitters were sitting on that fastball. And um, I think that brought his uh, home run totals back down. Uh, you know, hitters are were having to guess again. And, uh, you know, when when obviously when you got hitters guessing, that's when he – Pulls the fastball right by you, or makes you buckle your buckle your knees as you take a slider. So, um, you know, I I think Hater's a, a piece that they want to have for the duration of this championship window, and I I don't, you know, I think as much as Brewers fans have wanted the game out, like, can we get a nice third base prospect and a couple other prospects for a Hater or something to a Yankees or something like that? Uh, I don't really see that as a possibility anymore. I I think. Uh, you know, the Brewers like what they have and are going to stick with Hader for, you know, the long term until they, um, you know, maybe have to deal with him as far as a free agent contract. Can we interest you all in a Moose comeback? <laughs> Moose <laughs> is beloved in Milwaukee. I mean, we know. know. That's as, why we're as, offering as, him back. As, yeah, as I'm sure you guys We know. can make it official right now. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not qualified to make that kind of uh, determination, but uh, I, I'll tell you, Moose is beloved in Milwaukee and um, you know, he was a big part of that 2018 team that's kind of started this run. Um, so, you know, he's he's always got a, a soft spot in Milwaukee fans' hearts um, for sure. Royals fans love him too. It's so, like, funny that, like, wherever he goes, people are like. Part of a championship team with the Royals. That part so makes like sense, nobody. yeah. Yeah. Like, Alex Gordon is like a god there. Every single, every single one of them. My buddy yeah. who moved down here from Kansas, you know, 10, 12 years ago, He's a diehard, and I mean, I can't say one bad word about any of them. Like, yeah. he's, he's all over me about them. Oh, we've seen that with Kane, too. I mean, on the Brewers as well. You know, another former Royal. 
Yeah. So who, who made the All Star team last year, other than the pitch off the other than the pitching staff? Was there? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, but they have a hitter. I believe Garcia was there. Um, let me let me just double check that. Dang, he must he have was, had a really good first half. He, he was he, a nightmare against us yeah, for a while. He was, he was a he was a huge. I mean, he was one of the only guys producing for the uh, for the Brewers there. Um, I, I know Peralta was there. Okay, actually, okay, so it was uh, Corbin Burns, Josh Hader, Omar Narvaez, who had a big first man, half. Uh, right. Peralta and Brandon Woodruff. So it was not Garcia, but. Garcia was a really, really good player. I mean, if you look at yeah. like his stat cast page, you you compare it next to like Nick Castellanos, it wasn't as big of a gap as you might think. He was a really, really good hitter for them. It's, that's a tough loss. Brinfro's a really solid, is really good hitter against left-handed pitching. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily. I don't think he's going to match that value against uh, a right-handed pitching that Garcia because Garcia didn't have like the drastic splits. See, this is one of those. Moments where I wish we started writing this stuff down because I'll I'll take Renfro over last year's production of Garcia as a bet. Okay, you, you'll take Renfro to out hit Garcia. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah, are we I'll, talking? I'll are we him. talking OPS? Like who has the higher OPS? I'll let you know at the end of the year what stat I want to use. All right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that bet, man. I mean, Renfro Renfro is probably a better defender. Uh, He's definitely not. A we'll go with hitter. war. We'll go with. Uh, I mean, he hits a lot of homers. That's about it. He doesn't uh, do anything else. Yeah, well, we'll talk all. We'll talk all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was a little suspect of the of the contact numbers for Renfro, but um, you know, I mean, like we saw with Adamus, sometimes just a chain of change of scenery, you know, can can mean a a huge boon on the on the batting average. Like you know, the reports, I don't know if you guys kind of saw, but it's flying around how. Adamus was like, I couldn't hit at the trap at all. <laughs> like, I couldn't hit in Tropicana with the Rays because uh, I couldn't see the ball. Um, but, uh, you know, I, that's one of those guys, you know, anytime the Brewers bring in a big power bat, I'm always excited to see, um, you know, how that plays at Miller Park because, like with the Reds, you know, another uh, notoriously hitter-friendly park, um, it's kind of exciting to see how a, how a guy that's maybe had success in your building or maybe he just hasn't had a lot of opportunities in your building uh, – you know, gets to come in and see how that swing plays. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, we're pretty sure Willie Adamas knew he had like one foot out the door in Tampa once like the once like you heard the Wander Franco train tracks. I think he was like his bags were already packed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like had a three and a half. What did he finish last year? Was he a three? That's a three point three, not three and a half. That was his that's project for this year, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to see what last year's were. So you have Nick and four point one. Oh, really? Oh. Dang, they're going to three point three. Yeah, four point one. I I think if I remember right, I don't know it's how way higher than I would have guessed. I think he had like point seven with Tampa or something. Uh, it was it was. Oh, you did Adamas. Who who are you wanting to do? Um, Christian Yelich. Yelich. Yeah. Yelich or Yelich? Yelich. I was right. <laughs> Yelich was a 1.5. Yelich is a decent defender, so he kind of gets a little bit of value for, from that. I mean, Yelich, Yelich, I mean, he still had a 101 weighted runs created plus. So it wasn't like he was right. horrendous. I mean, he was an yeah. average, he was an average hitter. I mean, obviously he's getting paid to be better than an average hitter, but he wasn't like, 
he wasn't Eugenio Suarez, Mike Moustakis bad. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, he wasn't. Yeah. And, and certainly with the league averages, uh, you know, kind of on the downswing right. lately as pitchers are kind of taking over the league, you kind of take all of that uh, with a grain of salt. But um, it, it, you kept waiting, I think, as a Brewers fan, you kept waiting for that big moment that, you know, oh, Yelich is back. And can't say it ever really came. You Those know, are Gino just, Suarez. Yeah. <laughs> That's what well, Zach, not every, not every team has Joey Votto to where yeah. he just doesn't age, you know. Suarez just needs to face Josh Hader every night. For some reason, that's the only, <laughs> that's the, one that's guy. the only pitcher he can hit. And heads, hit. heads up and right center. <laughs> the one guy is, you know, the most the dominant other- closer in base for the last yeah. five years. Mm-hmm. So we did get this question from Michael Coble, who had a comment earlier, but he asked you, um, where do you think the Brewers' biggest challenge would be going into the next season? Yeah, I think that's kind of along the lines of what we kind of discussed as far as getting the guys that they have right again. Um, and I think, you know, I think the the offseason priority for the Brewers, you know, as much as bringing anybody in uh, was just we got to we got to get Yelich back up to what we think, um, you know, he can do as far as a run producer, um, you know, being that reliable third guy in the order. Um, and I think, you know, secondary to that is, um, you know, just getting the entire offense in more of a rhythm, just getting a, a one through four that you can rely upon in the first, you know, inning or two to, to put up a run or two for you and, and get, uh, you know, get a lead for these impeccable starting, uh, you know, rotation that you have. Uh, Cause these guys, you know, demonstrated that they can uh, protect the lead. And um, I think it's just about getting that top four or five in the order uh, back performing in a way that, you know, you can reliably scratch or at least run across um, and, and get deep into an opponent's bullpen because, uh, you know, the Brewers have got guys who can go five, six, seven innings solidly now. They, Like like I said, you know, when he had these veterans like Chassin uh, that were covering all these innings for them, they, they were pitching five innings and done uh, if you were lucky. And um, now they got some bona fide studs uh, who can go six, seven innings reliably on any given day. And it's just about scratching that first run across. So I think offensively is, is uh, you know, getting right there is the biggest challenge for the Brewers this year. I don't know what you guys think. Do you worry about, you know, in years past, obviously, like we've talked about, you know, Yelich was an MVP. Ryan Braun was an MVP. Chris Fielder was awesome. Corey Hart. Like you can go down the list, of the, you know for a long time now, but do you worry about the fact that there isn't like, I don't want to be disrespectful by saying there's not a super feared guy in the line. Cause Yelich, obviously, like you said, like people are still worried about the fact he could pick up an extra base hit with one swing of the bat. But do you kind of worry about, there's not like that one guy that's like a, a pitch around kind of guy esque at this point. Well, I think Yelich still commands that type yeah. of respect. Maybe that maybe, you know, after the last two years, teams are starting to think differently about that. But, um, you know, in baseball, your best guy is still getting about the same amount of at bats as as your as your ninth guy in the order. So I, I'm I'm not as concerned about having one guy that you uh, you know necessarily fear, but you do want uh, guys that can come through in the big spots. Um, you know that that you're excited as an offensive or a fan of the offensive team that you're excited that they're. Um, you know, up in the big spots. And I think Yelich is drifting away from that, but I think can be hauled back in. Um, and certainly, you know, I think there's an excitement for Brewers fans looking at that that projected lineup there because I think you 
can look at that as a Brewers fan and think any one of those guys could have a two, three hit day. Um, you know, a couple of those guys could have a two, two homer day. Um, so I, I, I think, uh, you know, that possibility that you, that you got a well-rounded lineup and can get production because, uh, you know, on those teams, like you said, with, uh, with Fielder and, and Braun in their heydays and stuff like that, sometimes you got guys at the bottom of the lineup that, you know, in, the, in those two, three, or, you know, two, three from the bottom batting seven and eight and stuff like that, where you're like, let's just go on to the next inning. Uh, these guys aren't going to have an impact <laughs> on the game. But now you got a guy who was an all-star last year in Narvaez, you know, maybe did, hidden down there. You got a guy who's been an all-star in the past, a gold glover and Lorenzo Cain. Um, you know, just uh, just a lot of possibilities for production for the Brewers up and down the lineup. And I think that's something, as a Brewers fan, to be excited about. Is there fear of the fact that Christian Yelich looks like Sheen from Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that one. I, I think he looks a lot more, and I think it's been brought up, uh, the guy from SNL. Um, Pete Davidson? Yeah, he looks like Pete Davidson, I think. More, <laughs> more so than Charlie Sheen. But... Um, <laughs> I had to, I had to get that in. Um, you know, there's obviously you picking your brain on the Brewers. I, I joked about you, this with you earlier in the show before we started recording. So, you know, I've had red, I had red season tickets for a long time. So I went to many, many Reds Brewers games in my time. And for some reason or another in that time frame that I had season tickets, Ricky weeks was extremely mid against everyone in baseball, but the Reds. Is there ever been someone who's figured out why that was like, he was just incredible against the Reds. And everyone else, he just sucked against. And I never understood what ha- what was going on, what we were doing. I'm sure you cursed him at some point, Tim. Probably, I'm sure. You know, everybody's got a a guy that they're just convinced, um, you know, hits better against them, or just uh, you know. I think Castellanos was always a Brewer killer. Votto's always been a Brewer killer. Jay Bruce um, was one. What? Jay Bruce was a big one. Oh yeah, Jay Bruce. Yep, for sure. Um, so, you know, it, it cuts both ways. Uh, Ricky had a few good years and, um, you know, they just brought him back in a personal role. I'm kind of excited about that. Although those kind of moves always, uh, you know, between that and seeing players that you watch their career start and end go into hall of fames, that really like ages me. I don't know about you guys, but like, you know, that, that just, uh, makes me feel a lot older. So it's, you know, it's interesting to see guys like that come back. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Ricky, you know, had had some good years against the Reds, and uh, you know was always uh, was always a good at bat. Uh, miss a guy like that, but um, yeah, yeah. His whenever he would take BP, it was like listening to Jay Bruce take BP. You could turn your back, and you knew who the heck was hitting. <laughs> you knew it was Ricky Weeks. Those, I mean, he hit knuckleballs fifty percent of the time, and when you hit a knuckleball off of the bat, that thing's coming off hot and hard. It was fun. Yeah. He had, he had a smooth little compact swing that generated a lot of power. I could never get that guy out. I mean, I only faced him in the minor leagues, but I, I, I'd rather face Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun than him in the minor leagues. I mean, that guy just crushed me. Carlos Gomez was kind of that way, too, against the Reds. Like, but his was, like, defensively. He would always rob Votto of homers, like, always. And it was always maddening. There was, like, he had a walk-off rob, I remember. I remember that one there. vividly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was, yeah. like, painful. Yeah, I think I have a, a bobblehead of that. I'd show it to you, but I literally broke it this weekend. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Zach, we've I've asked a couple of the teams, you know, since we started doing this um, in division thing here. But uh, what is your most memorable 
probably be painful Joey Votto story against the Brewers for memory. Painful Joey Votto stories. Gosh, you're you're asking me to dig deep here. I, as you were going there, I thought you were going to ask me for a positive Brewers memory. But I, I tend to uh, lock things away that are painful, Carlos. I don't know about you, but um, the thing that's funny is like every single person he's asked this to has been like, "You can't hate the guy." But oh, no, I, he destroys our team. I, I don't hate him either. I, I, I'm a big MLB The Show player, and for some reason I hit yeah. really well with Joey Votto's cards. I know. Like, I, he's got a great <laughs> swing in that game. Um, so I, I, for that reason, and you know, I think generally goes about his business the right way and stuff like that. I see more good press than bad. So I, there's nothing I, can, I, nothing I can talk bad about Joey Votto. Great player. Respect him a lot. So That's the answers we like to hear. Good job, buddy. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. It <laughs> sounds good. Zach, kind of looking over the, the Brewers lineup, you know, kind of one more time here. To me, it feels like a lineup that is maybe more of, you know, like the sum of the parts than like kind of having that that star player. I mean, do you you, know, you kind of feel that way? I, I don't think they they maybe have like that Winker Votto, like, you know, elite level hitters. Um, but you know, they might be deeper than a lot of other teams uh, in the division. Do you kind of feel that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think that goes back to the, you know, the question I answered about the, you know, having players, uh, you know, a feared player in the lineup. I think, you know, as I look a little bit harder, I think, you know, three, four and five are the types of seasons those guys have as with most teams. So maybe this isn't a very revolutionary thought, but I think the way the seasons go for those three and three, four, five in that projected lineup and Yelich, Renfro and Telez are going to go a long way in telling the offensive story for the Brewers this year. I think whether Yelich gets back to what he uh, can be, not necessarily an MVP level, but at least a productive, um, you know, potentially feared player uh, again. And then uh, how does Renfro's bat play at Miller Park is going to be uh, certainly interesting. I'm not sure if he necessarily, I obviously got a nice little righty lefty balance there, but I'm not sure if he's necessarily the guy that's plugged in at four. Um, so, you know, where they put him and where he's uh, he's used uh, will be interesting. And then, uh, you know, can Telez keep up what uh, he was able to be for the Brewers down the stretch, a very productive uh, hitter for average and power. Um, so, you know, certainly uh, big question marks, I would say, on the right side of that field right there with Telez slash a, you know, potential uh, timeshare with Hira, if Hira can get right or if he's ending up in a DH-type role. Um, and then, you know, how does Renfro's bat play at Miller Park? Um, Tyrone Taylor is another guy that we haven't really talked about much, but, um, you know, another guy who's really coming on, uh, you know, a young player who's getting got some more time with Kane and, and Garcia having to take some rest here at different spots, but, uh, and Yelich as well. Um, but, uh, you know, can Taylor keep up the production, be a productive fourth outfielder without necessarily the playing time of an everyday player? That's obviously a very difficult ask for, um, you know, a lot of players to be a relied upon, uh, you know, fourth outfielder, but uh, Taylor, you know, proved he could be uh, a big hitter in spots and, you know, you don't want to stunt his development, but uh, you know, there's obviously uh, some proven guys in front of him. So we'll see how he fits with all of this as well. Yelich's uh, zips projections are, are pretty wild. I mean, Yelich in 2020 had a 786 OPS, 2021 736 OPS, and Zips is still projecting him at 855. Uh, 
which just, you know, two years in a row of, of, you know, performing a hundred points less. So I don't know. I don't, I don't like to question zips because, you know, there's a reason, you know, these projections are, are so good and, um, um, have done that, but, but that's kind of a wild project. That'll be one of those kind of, uh, I think very interesting players to watch is, is, is zips right on him or, uh, was that, that number, uh, a little off. I mean, I guess they're just, you know, basing on his career and, you know, you know, bouncing back. I mean, you know, Votto kind of had a couple years where, uh, you know, he, he wasn't close to his career and then kind of boom, just, you know, jump back. I mean, I guess it's possible. It's kind of an interesting player. Yeah, for sure. I think offense kind of in the, you know, whether the offense bounce backs kind of comes and goes with him. So we'll, we'll see uh, for sure how those projections hold up. I mean, it's, I think part of it's an injuries thing for Yelich too, because obviously you got the fractured kneecap that ended his 2019 season that, um, you know, it was questionable whether he kind of recovered from that. He's also been dealing with a back injury, um, you know, that obviously that's pretty big in hitting is being able to rotate with your back and stuff like that. And that may have explained, you know, some of the struggles that he had at the plate. Um, so we'll see, um, you know, we'll see how that uh, that all shakes up and if he can, uh, you know, be a little bit healthier this season and if the hitting coaches have anything to say about the swing. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely. So we're going to, Zach, we are going to ask a little bit about some of the Brewers prospects, but before we do, we do have to talk about NordVPN. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. With all the threats that you may face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's limited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V, or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So that's nordvpn.com slash believe. I need to do that myself. So we'll talk a little bit about the Brewers prospects. Uh, we like to kind of go through this with everybody and uh, really kind of unique group. Uh, I mean, if you look right now, so Ash, Aaron Ashby was a uh, major, you know, how was the guy that was major league level, uh, but everything else is kind of that double triple a low a kind of situation. You kind of talked about recently uh, earlier in the show that uh, the athletic rated the Brewers prospect uh, pretty low. Um, and it kind of more of the reason why they're kind of going more quote unquote all in in the championship window, like you mentioned. Uh, is there anything really particularly in the guys you can tell us about here that maybe we should keep an eye on that we as as Reds fans, uh, the that we should look forward to seeing join the major league ball club in the future? Oh, for sure. Um, I think Aaron Ashby is a guy. You know, he made it to the majors uh, last season, and um, you know, kind of. I think he flew a little under the radar because. Uh, that first time out against the Cubs, he actually gave up seven earned runs and was wearing some goggles that were actually like fogging up on his face. So he later said, like, I, I could that. barely see out there. And that that game actually ended up, uh, if you remember, he didn't get hung up with the loss despite giving up seven earned runs in two thirds of an inning uh, because the Brewers came back and scored like 15 in that game and ended up uh, unseating the Cubs. And then a f- couple weeks later, you know, that they ended up kind of blowing it up at the deadline. So. Um, that you know that was kind of the uh, the the last gasp for the Cubs as we knew them for for a number of years there. But 
Um, for Ashby, um, he really came on after that game, uh, had his ERA down as, as far as 2.9 after that abysmal start, um, you know, heading into the last week of the season, then got roughed up by the Dodgers in kind of a meaningless game after they were already clinched. Um, but he's another guy, just a knockout slider, um, really like what, what he brings in terms of uh, the velocity and then the off-speed pitches. You know, a guy who can be a sixth starter or a reliable bullpen piece, uh, I think, this year, and I'm really excited to see how he comes along. Uh, as you look further down that list, I think the first two outfielders, Mitchell and uh, Freilich there, um, you know, aren't really necessarily guys that I expect to see this year uh, unless we see some injuries and, you know, want to get a look at Garrett Mitchell. I don't expect to see him up there. Sal Freilich was their 2021 first rounder, so I don't expect to see him. Um, Bryce Terang, depending on, you know, depth needs or whatever, um, if if they should lose, um, you know, Adamas or, or Rias or um, even Colton Wong for a length of time, maybe they think about bringing up Terang. I think as far as MLB readiness, that's probably their best uh, hitting option right now. Um, and uh, the other guy that, I, that I'm kind of keeping my eye on and excited to – uh, see make it to the majors is Ethan Small, that uh, other left-hander there uh, on the prospect list. Uh, not a, not a blow-you-away kind of velocity, low 90s, um, but, you know, really great command and was posting a 2.06 ERA and nine starts across AAA last year after posting similar numbers in AA. Um, Notice there was a kind of drop-off on the strikeout ability at the AAA level, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, if he can, you know, continue to demonstrate that he can strike guys out uh, at the AAA level and, you know, the Brewers feel good about uh, bringing him up as either a bullpen piece or a spot starter or something like that, uh, I'm looking looking into that. But uh, other than that, I think that's, you know, a pretty good look at uh, the, you know, prospects who are most likely to contribute this year. I think uh, everyone else other than that, we've seen a little bit of uh, Corey Ray um, in the past couple of years, you know, sparingly. Um, but, uh, you know, he's another guy, outfielder, um, you know, speed, speed and a little bit of contact as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, uh, you know, that's pretty much it as far as the, uh, as far as the pipeline goes for the Brewers. Cause they're, you know, like we said, there isn't a, uh, there isn't a massive amount to speak of, um, you know, among, among, uh, the overall farm system. Yeah. If the Brewers were smart, they'd call up Ethan small every time the uh, reds were in town or they came to cincinnati you know left-handed pitcher oh ashby too i mean yeah ashby was great against lefties um you know down the stretch there so um uh, yeah definitely uh having left-handed options out of the out of the bullpen is uh something that they got to keep in mind yeah. for some of those you know hitters that the reds got for sure i grade my prospect list a little bit different than most like that's a really good baseball team like a baseball name prospect list right there there's some good baseball names on that list. <laughs> still, still better than Keith Law's rankings. Yes, <laughs> that's a fact. Yeah, uh, Zach, I, I did want to ask you real quick. I've kind of asked everyone this question. Uh, Reds fans really turned on ownership this past year, like 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 we've never seen before. Um, Milwaukee is a very similar city, you know, population wise and I think TV market and all that kind of stuff, but they're behind the Reds in payroll last year. And then as we speak right now, do you get any of the same sense from 
you know, the average Brewers fans that that they're upset that the team's not spending more or has winning kind of cured all in that? I, I think winning has definitely uh, had a positive impact. I think, you know, as I've kind of reflected on the last couple of years of, of uh, you know, Brewers feedback on this, I, I think that the major or the shift as far as Brewers fans thinking really came when uh, Christian Yelich was signed to the long-term deal. Cause I think as soon as we saw that deal coming up uh, as Brewers fans, and we saw the level that Yelich was performing at, we're like, well, you know, it's been a great couple of years, but he's gone as soon as that contract is up or we're going to trade him and we should get what we want, you know, we'll get what we can, uh, you know, now. Uh, and to see them, you know, splurge and make that move, assuming that uh, he's able to right the ship and essentially become, you know, kind of what Ryan Braun was, at least a serviceable veteran uh, down the stretch of his career. Uh, I think Brewers fans are pretty thrilled about that. And we've seen that payroll, you know, steadily climb. They were, down near the bottom uh, for a number of years, um, you know, in the third, I mean, sub, sub $50 million payroll, it seemed like uh, for a number of years there. And, and they're definitely, I, I think the owner Mark Antanasio is really rising to the moment um, as far as, you know, making uh, conscious moves and uh, in, empowering his management team to, uh, go after players. Uh, I, I certainly don't feel like there is an overwhelming feeling among Brewers fans that, you know, Brewers ownership is being too stingy and not bringing guys in. And, you know, while there may have been some skeptics as we saw the big name pitchers sign to big deals elsewhere and realize, you know, we were never going to get, um, you know, some of these big starters that have been available over the last couple of years. Um, but now we're we're seeing that faith in the process for those of us that have stuck around kind of pay off as we've got a number of guys in Woodruff and Burns and Peralta that are under team control um, and, you know, are rel- relatively affordable, at least for now. Um, so I would say, you know, generally the, the uh, impressions of the Brewers fan base as far as the dollar amounts being spend, spent right now are, are pretty favorable. And, um, you know, nobody's too upset about the uh, look of the team right now, I think you know, most people are pretty happy with the moves that they're making. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so we'll kind of get real quick, kind of talk about this, the league as a whole. Um, we do see here the spring training likely be delayed. We're starting to see more and more reasons that the lockout kind of being terrible and falling apart on us. So we were anticipating, hopefully knowing soon that we'd have be ready for opening day. It's looking like that's not going to be the case, what things are saying. Um, you're starting to see more and more of um, negotiations kind of going bad and being really terrible. And you're seeing players come out and talk more about all they're looking for with more fairness. Uh, I think Max Scherzer's even been pretty open about it. So kind of shocking that we're still in this situation and unbelievable, you know, really helpful to grow the game of baseball by not having a season. Right. Carlos, do you get the sense that the season's going to get delayed? Cause I, I don't, I don't feel very optimistic at this point. Yes. I would, I would definitely say yes, but I've kind of, fallen into a trap of believing the conspiracy theory that they're waiting for the Super Bowl to be over to really take over the the sports news. But I think so. I mean, it's almost hard not to because, you know, they come to an agreement. They still got to iron everything out before they send everybody to spring training. And we're already there. Like next week, right, should be where Ket, Patrick, pitchers and yeah. catchers report. So, I mean, you can't go much more – much less than six weeks to get a pitcher ready 
the starting pitcher ready for the for the year without having to worry about injury and stuff like that. I know last I think it was last year or maybe the year before where they had the second summer camp or whatever it was and it was a little over a month, but man, that's getting dangerously close because even though you're a professional and you should be ready to go, it's it's different when you have to amp it up like during a game as a pitcher. Like you can throw as many bullpens as you want, but it doesn't it's not the same intensity as when there's a man in that box. It's it's crazy. Like you activate muscles you haven't activated yet and those gotta get sore and you know become a natural movement where you don't have to worry about again. It's it's a lot more than what people think goes into it. So I think that's why it's it's gonna delay a little bit. I don't think it's gonna be months, but I just I think it'll be a couple of weeks. I think everything I've read was five weeks is the bare minimum from the time they, they strike a deal to to being able to um, start the season. The one interesting thing that I, I did see is uh, our friend Genosaurus Rex uh, uh, quoted a story. Uh, the owners need to get 145 games in 22 to avoid losing, I guess, some of their TV money. So I guess that's kind of positive is, you know, hey, I guess this – you certainly think they're not going to want to, you know, you know, lose more than, I don't know, Duff Matthew or 17. Is that right? 17 games. Uh, yeah. They're not going to want to lose any more than that. Um, and they certainly don't want to go any deeper into November, you know, because the longer you go, the, the more established football is and the less relevant the MLB postseason would be. I don't know, Zach, what's your thoughts? I mean, do you have any optimism that the season could, is going to start on time? Well, I think uh, Carlos's points there were excellent just about, you know, the things that us fans may not know about uh, how long it takes to, to get those muscles activated and get players going. Um, and certainly just the lack of movement that we've seen so far is certainly disheartening. Um, I, yeah, I'm not optimistic at this point that we're starting on time. And I think that, that 145, uh, um, you know, number – um, for the owners to, to, to keep the money that's coming to them and TV deals is an interesting thing to keep an eye on for sure. Cause it, at this point, it sounds like both sides are dug in pretty deep. And once this starts costing one side or the other or both uh, money, I think is when we're going to really start to see some movement. Um, and I think the, the reality is that, um, you know, this past couple of weeks, at least there hasn't been any money at stake and we've seen how that, uh, has not incentivized one side or the other at times to come to the negotiating table. So uh, it's, it's disheartening for me as a fan because I I actually got into baseball because of the NFL lockout back in 2010. Um, I wasn't really a huge baseball fan. And um, you know, the fact that the NFL was locked out and there was no training camp news or off season news to keep me busy. I decided to tune into this uh, Brewers team that I was, you know, taking an interest in and, um, you know, that's kind of the story of how I became a fan of baseball. So, uh, it's, you know, I guess I'm going to have to find a new sport again this year. But, Damn, uh, that's a pretty cool sport. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know, there was an NBA team in your state that just won a championship. Yeah. They're pretty yeah, good. I do, yeah. I do know that. Uh, yeah. actually do you got time. I got a quick Yana story. That's pretty fun. I like to tell. Um, oh, so I was, uh, I, I, I was a, uh, um, a sports radio intern for WTMJ sports radio and, um, uh, basically what I, what I had to do was I went into the locker room after games and I would record post game sound on this little recorder, uh, in the locker room. And, uh, this one night, I think, uh, Brandon Knight was the big scorer for the bucks. And, um, you know, his locker, uh, was just instantly surrounded. I was wrapping up a 
interview with another player and uh, his, his locker was instantly surrounded by three TV cameras and a bunch of reporters. So I'm instantly boxed out because I absolutely got to get real close for radio sound uh, with the microphone. And uh, Giannis comes out uh, of the shower in a towel and his locker is right next to Brandon Knight's. So we're both boxed out of where we're supposed to be. And at this point, Giannis, this was like 2013, 14. Um, so Giannis at this point, you know, is not a big, big player on the team. Um, he's, he's a, you know, kind of fringe contributor and not really somebody that we interviewed all that much. Cause at that point, I think he wasn't super confident in his English yet. Um, so, you know, we're both just kind of standing there and he looks at me and without any words, he just gestures for me to hand, hand me his mic or hand him uh, my mic. And, uh, and I flick it on and I hand it to him and he reaches with like his 10 foot ring wingspan over the, <laughs> over the uh, crowd of reporters to try and get me some sound. Um, and I just, awesome. I just love to tell that story. Cause uh, you know, that's just the kind of guy that Giannis is. I mean, what other NBA player could you, could you imagine LeBron doing anything other than, uh, you know, pushing me aside if that were the case, you know? Um, so I, I, just, I just love that story. Uh, you know, it's something that I'll, I'll take with me for a long time. Cause you know, it's just kind of guy that Giannis is, but, uh, yeah, we got a pretty good basketball team to root for, uh, these days too, but. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You got that. I also noticed you're a Marquette grad. So mm-hmm. obviously that's gotta be fun this year. Shock in the world, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I root for Xavier and I cover Xavier. So, okay. I uh I got I didn't get to see them this year. I had COVID that week, so my intern filled in for me. Thank God. So I didn't get to see Marquette come down here, but they looked really good the game we played up there. Yeah, I mean it's it's unbelievable what that what uh Shaka's been able to do here in year one because you think with a with a basketball uh coach, you know, coming in for a pro- college program, it probably takes two, three years to get their guys in there. But uh he's he's just taking on this rank schedule and and uh doing things that we haven't seen for almost a decade in Marquette basketball. So it's been awesome. Yeah. It's good to see you, man. It's been fun. So we'll kind of go real quick, talk about, um, so baseball America gave the reds the seventh best farm system. As we've kind of talked about with Zach, um, through part of the year, part of the show with, uh, the Brewer system, uh, Keith law, who is now trying to be, um, the biggest villain of all of us, uh, of any, any baseball fans, Reds fans, apparently, um, gave the Reds like a, a pretty low rating at 19 and did not have Nick Lodolo on his top 100 list or his barely missed list, although a 38 point strikeout rate, the 231 ERA, uh, pretty funny. Um, so unbelievable there that it was kind of good given that rating there. But yeah, you know, no love for, I guess, the Hunter Green Nick Lodolo crew from outside of here, even though our man RM Layton gave us a really good preview of the farm system earlier this year. So yeah, this is where I remind you that Keith law said the reds were going to score fewer runs in 2021 than 2020. And they scored almost a full run more per game. So he was incredibly off. So now I think baseball America, I mean, I think, you know, that's pretty much, I think the consensus from a lot of others mm-hmm. that the reds are around seventh and uh, that's encouraging. You know, I think that's, that's great to see, you know, the Reds, uh, you know, cracking the top 10, you know, because the Reds are, already have some really good uh, MLB ready talent in India and Stevenson. And uh, when you're going to have, you know, uh, a good farm system behind that, I, mean, I think you're, you're set up well for a nice, uh, a, a nice future here. It might not be in 2022, but, you know, I, I think, you know, they got a lot of, a lot of good things going for them for sure. 
Yeah, I agree. A lot of fun to watch. And then, yeah, we got the note that uh, Jonathan and Nixon Zell will be heading out to LA to support the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Uh, Jonathan India was, of course, at the opening a playoff game against the Raiders. That was pretty cool. He got shown on the Jumbotron during the game and literally had the loudest cheer in the stadium that wasn't Joe Burrow. It was kind of awesome how much the city has grown to love him. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then also Dick Senzel joined him as well. And it looks like is that Trevor Plouffe is going to be rocking the Rams there. And that's fine. Trevor Plouffe won't do anything in life anyway. Right? Whoa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what did he do to you, buddy? Nothing. Nothing. It's just the first Super Bowl of my lifetime. So everything's everything's bitter. <laughs> I was like, I texted him off. I was like, who is that in the white jersey? <laughs> but is that being said, I thought Trevor Plouffe was a pitcher. No? I don't know. I thought it was. Nick? Get some explaining to do, bruh. The third baseman. What are you talking about? You made me second guess myself. <laughs> really? I mean, Trevor Plouffe, baseball third baseman, is what comes up. So, yeah, you can't <laughs> believe everything you see on the internet, Nick. I guess not. <laughs> but uh, before we do get out of here, Zach, man, you were awesome. Thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time to talk and kind of give our fans, our listeners, a preview of the Brewers. Uh, before we do get out of here, uh, please take a second to shout out your social media where people can interact with you, anywhere we can find your work. Um, you know, the floor is yours, man, by all means. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me and Nick for reaching out. It was a pleasure uh, to be aboard with you guys and talk some Brewers. Excited, hopefully, that we do get a baseball season here in the next few weeks because, boy, us uh, Wisconsin sports fans are really looking forward to it uh, after the rough ending to the Packers season and Rogers watch, but uh, you can find me at, uh, at Zach Bellman W uh, underscore WNY. There is, uh, it says on the bottom. Um, my work is uh, on the uh, USA today network slash Gannett uh, network of newspapers. I'm a central uh, Wisconsin prep sports reporter, um, but I also cover some major league stories. Uh, we got uh, some people from our area like Dalton Varsho, the diamondbacks uh, who have made it to uh, the majors. And I get, I get to cover, uh, you know, some stuff like that as well. And uh, always have some, uh, you know, scorching hot takes uh, as far as, um, you know, Wisconsin sports are concerned. So uh, check me out there on, on Twitter. And uh, thanks again so much for having me, you guys. It was it was a real pleasure speaking with all of you. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was a blast. Good stuff, buddy. Appreciate it. So go ahead and Rick, once again, then we're going to go wrap up this week's edition of Late Night Reds Talk Live, brought to you by Bet Online our good friends over there. So make sure you get your prop bets and like Joe Burrow, seven touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Count it down. It's happening. Don't really put seven. That's ridiculous. You'll lose a lot of money, but um, make sure just give a heads up next Tuesday. We're actually going to be doing our show. I'm sorry. We're doing our show next Tuesday, the 15th. Um, We have Valentine's day and as married men, we got to take our wives and have an hour night with them. So, So thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, please take a moment to give us a solid five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to Late Night Reds Talk Live. We're going to wrap up. Have a good night and enjoy the moment.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.